Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan DeFrancesco. I am the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. We've hit double digits. Uh, if you've been with us from the start, you know it's been a rocky process at times, but we're finally here, double digits. We continue to improve every week. As always, well, uh, not last week, but as of this week, I am joined by my co-host. So, so since you, you already oh. have started off with to a, just a terrible start here, uh, so this is Anthony Malakian, the U.S. editor, uh, Dan's partner in crime on this. So uh, last week I was away uh, covering the Boca Raton, the FIA Boca Raton conference. Okay, and so Dan had to do this all on his own. Talked about cybersecurity, which, quite frankly, I'm. I was quite happy not to have to partake in yet another cybersecurity conversation. Once again, always looking out for my colleagues, always looking out for my colleagues. And then the other uh, piece of it was the uh, LSE Deutsche Bourse merger. So fair enough. He he was on that beat anyway. He covers it. But then I get to the end. So I'm, I'm on my flight back from Boca, you know. Listening to the latest Waters uh, Wavelength podcast hosted which can by be Dan. Found on which can be found on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, that's all my that's my promotion. <laughs> and so I get to his college uh, basketball picks. Now, mind you, I'm watching uh, some college basketball on the flight. I paid the seven dollars to get the live Direct TV. Big time, big yep. time. Company expense, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I'm listening to his predictions. And I noticed that there's something massively wrong with his predictions, and that is that his national champion, Michigan State, they weren't even in the tournament anymore by the time I was flying back on Friday. One day had gone by, and all of a sudden, his picks were to, just shot to hell. And then not only that, another in the round of 32, he lost another of his final four teams, uh, Kentucky. So my question to you, Dan, is this. How are people supposed to trust your opinions on fintech if you can't even get college basketball games? The national champion knocked out in the very first round. I just think that no one should really listen to anything that you say anymore. Well, Anthony, let's make one thing clear right off the bat. If I can correctly predict who's going to win the national college basketball uh, tournament and, for that matter, any professional sports, I'm no longer going to be a fintech writer. I'm moving to Vegas, and that's going to be my career for the rest of my life. So you better hope that I never get really good at picking games, because if that's the case, I'm out of here. All right? Uh, to that point, first of all, you know, you got your kicks in. Good, good for you. But you know what? At least come out and swim in the water before you decide that you want to come play ball, all right? I didn't see your bracket. I didn't hear any of your picks. It's not even like you tweeted at me or sent me an email. Hey, Dan, by the way, make sure you get my picks in there, too. So you can't really come and take a shot at the king when you didn't even weren't even willing to step on the battlefield. So that's my first point I'd like to make. Uh, what else you got? Second of all, the uh, this year's tournament, for those of you that didn't follow it at all, was absolutely absurd i mean the amount of uh, you look at it on paper and you look at the sweet 16 now and outside of the midwest there's not too many i mean there's a couple fives the midwest especially in the, the bottom end with gonzaga and cuse i think it's a 10 versus 11 matchup that's pretty crazy but for the most part you look at it and on paper it looks like it's been a pretty standard tournament but then you i mean especially sunday night you had wisconsin hitting a buzzer beater you had uni up 12 i think with 45 seconds left and they still lost they ended up going overtime it's been an, an 
absurd is this excuse is this excuse that you're trying to build up right now is this going to end anytime soon or all what? i'm saying is that you know what michigan state on paper tom Izzo, guy seems to you know have more final fours than you know i i have god knows what and he you know he's a fantastic coach it seemed like a smart pick it seemed you know i'll admit it was a bit of a chalk pick i know they weren't a one seed but they should have been a one seed and they were the you know the favorite in vegas they were the favorite across the board and uh they uh you know uh, I they something the bed if so to speak you know I'm not going to get vulgar on this podcast but that's essentially what happened uh it's a shame um I don't think middle you know I, I can't even say that middle Tennessee got lucky because they controlled essentially the entire game I don't think I think Michigan State led when it was like four to two and then that was it so you know it All is right. what it is um let me just I mean yeah it's just you it, it just it, you're, you just didn't do a good job, and quite frankly, I, I think that now everything that you're going to say later on in this podcast, I think has to be taken with a grain of salt. You had to redeem yourself in some way. Or form. You know what? You say I don't, I didn't do a good job, but I will say this. Uh, if I were to gamble, which is a, illegal in the state of New York, which I would never do, but if I were, and if I were to place $15 on Maryland to win the national championship at plus 3000 uh, which would give me $450 if they did win. If I were to do that, which I wouldn't because it's against the law, then I'd still be in pretty good shape considering that Maryland is in the uh, the Sweet 16. So this is all hypothetical. I'll say about that. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Well, you know, we just, the fan duel just came down, so daily fantasy, all that. But by the way, uh, don't forget, New York Lotto is 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 not a you know by all means that's more that's that's a better skill game than uh daily fantasy that's not dangerous but daily fantasy is but just i digress one other funny thing so i'm flying back from florida and on the flight you know i decided you know there's college basketball games going on i start watching it and then god i i know you're a fan of basketball i can't watch it there's just a timeout every second i like it's one possession timeout or an official timeout or a foul. I just couldn't watch it. So I'm like, yeah, well, I paid for this. Let me start clicking around. I start watching uh, South Park. And then I was like, ah, this is just too weird to watch with other people around me right now. I didn't feel like a, a grown up in that case. Uh, so then I it was uh, about seven o'clock and the NCAA wrestling uh, tournament was on and they had the because that doesn't make you because that doesn't make you look weird popping that on. Well, that's uh, like the guy next to me. Like I could see him like giving me looks and everything like that. Like what the hell is he watching right now? I was like I was I was entertained by it. I was watching, but I was like ah no I just so I I I pansied out and uh, I ended up watching some movie or I watched uh creed for like the third time um which is a great movie don't get me wrong it's not a waste sure. of time it's a fantastic sure. movie well no to your point i'm a big you know i came i wrestled in high school as well and i do enjoy watching the sport but you know it does it's you know it's it's very athletic strong well-built young men in very tight clothings wrestling and touching each other and somebody gives a quick glance they're not really sure what you're watching uh yeah, it's just no yeah, doubt if you didn't yeah. have it. Yeah. So uh, let me jump in here. Um, I guess to get to the point of why people are listening. Uh, so we had, uh, I guess, to start things off. I'm going to lead off with you, Dan, since uh, you wrote, you put together the story. I just uh, helped out with uh, getting some extra sources. But uh, this past week, uh, major merger, uh, market, and IHS came together. Um, why don't you tell the audience about? 
a just a, obviously people are going to know about the merger so i guess not too much about that but just from the sources that spoke with you and then that we uh kind of compiled together what are some of your takeaways from that sure you know it's funny when we the first story first broke talking with anthony kind of looking back and forth um we kind of uh, ihs who you know anthony's been in the space a long time i feel like i have a pretty decent knowledge of the space IHS, who who the heck's IHS? Why why haven't ever heard from them? And then you realize, oh well, they're in like aerospace and kind of not in the financial markets at all. So there's a reason why I wouldn't have heard from. So I guess the biggest, if I had to take a thirty thousand view of all the sources that I spoke to and the sources sources that you spoke to that you passed along to me to help me write this story, kind of indifference. That's what that was the major thing. I mean, we spoke to one hedge fund uh, where the uh, the source essentially was just like, yeah, we're a client of markets, but. We don't really expect anything to change. Um, I think from the financial, you know, from the fintech side of it, from the financial market side of it, I don't see much affecting this this deal because I don't know if there's that much benefit in what IHS offers to market. I think if anything, it's going to be mar- IHS taking some of what market offers and and kind of spinning that back to their clients. Um, these are these both both these firms are really in essentially two completely different sectors of of the the data space. So there's not a ton of overlap. Um, to kind of take a, a pessimistic point of view. One thing that one one source did would bring up was kind of the cultural fit, which is always an issue. Culture is always a big thing, you know. When S uh, S and C and um, and uh, I'm drawing a blank, uh, S S and C and Advent when they when they came together a, a little bit about a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago, the big thing a thing we talked about was culture. So you, you to. To look at it just straight up, Jerry Steed, who is the CEO and chairman of IHS, is going to take over for I for uh for market IHS until uh 2017, until the end of 2017, basically 2018 when he retires. So you're looking at now a little over a year and a half where Jerry Steed, who really has no background in financial services, granted has a very strong background in managing as a CEO and running companies, running massive companies, even bigger than this $13 billion entity, but doesn't have experience running a financial services company. And then you have Lance Ugla, who is the CEO of market, kind of just sitting in a holding pattern, waiting until Jerry moves on. So I think what the kind of the big overlapping question is with this culture, how is it going to work where you have, you know, market, which is kind of born and bred on these, these wall street guys now being brought into this, you know, I think IHS is Colorado, this Colorado bait headquartered company and kind of having to play ball and kind of waiting as Jerry kind of runs the ship. So I think that's the biggest takeaway I had is culturally, how's this going to work? But in terms of an impact on the market, I don't think there's going to be a big one because there's not a ton of overlapping. And I don't feel like IHS is going to try to push too many of their products products onto uh, those in the financial services. Anthony, what, what did you take away from the, the sources you spoke to? Yeah, you know, I, I guess... Um... Sorry, my, my microphone was up by my head there. My bad. Um, I guess that for me, the biggest uh, thing will be to watch, and this is true with every single major merger that we've seen, and I'll touch on this in a little bit, uh, because uh, when, I, when we talk about uh, my FIA Boca trip, but market has such a wide-reaching tentacles they've been an acquirer themselves uh for a while now um so you know you have the markets analytics platforms that order and portfolio management services through thinkfolio uh market tca market edm uh kyc.com and the recent launch ky3p uh, they have stuff for corporate actions and reference data uh so that they really run uh the gambit 
So it really will be interesting to see, and in addition, obviously, to the market data and indexes business. It will be very interesting to see what the feedback is from uh, from the users of those products. I mean, at some point, do you get too big? Um, still, Bloomberg it seems to be doing okay with their varied products. Uh, you know, you don't really hear too many people complain about it. So as long as there's still a focus there, um, I think it's a good thing uh, for the capital market space that Ugly's going to still, it seems like he'll still be around. Uh, you never know what will happen between now and 2017, but that seems to be the plan right now. So for right now, I think it, it looks like uh, a big deal, um, and but it's just a wait and see thing. I think that when we're uh, kind of just chat with people two years from now, you know, we'll really have a better idea as, as uh, the winners and losers on this. Yeah, and you bring up a good point about how markets never been shy about trying to acquire other smaller companies and bring that in. You know, that's kind of a mindset of a financial guy, a guy that's willing to take risks. uh, Risk Lance's uh, ugly has been in the financial services industry his entire career. Does that change now going under the the umbrella of IHS? Is it more of let's be a little bit more conservative? Let's be a little bit slower with our cash? I don't know. I don't have the answers to this. Well, um, let me just actually, and just one other thing, you know, because as an outsider, somebody that's never been in this at all, uh, I, I, I am always just skeptical about big deals like this. Um, because again, there doesn't seem to be any overlap. And but not only no overlap, but they're just not in the same sector, really, that you're going to be giving research reports to traders and stuff like that that are generated by HS, stuff like that. All right, that's interesting. But I almost find that I'm more interested in mergers where there's a big piece of overlap, where there's a winner and loser of a platform. Um, maybe what we're seeing with SSNC and Advent um, on their fund admin side and uh, some of the other business that they have there. But where there's a winner and loser of a platform And then you say, okay, this is truly the best platform in the space. And now we're going to get rid of a competitor in that regard. Um, I can't help but think that that's for the better. And then you add just extra services around that for the acquiring firm. So I'll be into But then when I I asked one of my sources, that source said, he goes, listen, it's about being complimentary. So as long as they're complimentary, everything will be fine. Again, like you said, a lot of indifference. I, I, I agree with you. I think there needs to be that overlap. You know, you look at what well, it's a Venn diagram with the two circles where they uh they cross each other. What's that middle spot spot called where you, it's you, called the, the uh, middle part. <laughs> really showing the intelligence for both of us here. Whatever the technical math term is that again, you're talking to two journalism majors, so you're talking about core requirements, gen ed for math class for us. Uh whatever that middle part is, <laughs> this sounds so dumb. We sound so dumb. Whatever that middle part is, but the truth is that's you need that in a merger. I really do believe. And the big selling point, cross selling. How many times have I heard cross selling in this deal? Oh, there's a lot of cross selling between these people. Is it really gonna move the needle? Is it really gonna be something firms are gonna be interested in? Uh, we'll see. Like like all these things, it's something worth keeping your eye on. Um, but I think big picture, like Anthony said, a lot of indifference, probably not a huge impact to the market, but who knows? Uh, moving on to Boca. I mean, we get the man back. He The first thing he does is take shots at me, but I do want to hear all about your trip down to uh, to, to South, Beach, South, Beach, South Beach Adjace. Whew, tough one. Very tough one today. I want to hear all about Boca. So tell me, you know, what are some interesting things you picked up? What are, you know, let's, we can get, we can take a couple of the grounds, but first 30,000 view. What, what what were your thoughts on Boca? 30,000 foot view. I keep on saying 30,000 view. Anyway, um, I guess that, you know, 
I had a bunch of meetings down there. Boca, it's fun. Like you land there the first day, quite frankly, you know, you get in there middle of the day. Um, uh, we had a meeting uh, with uh, one uh, contact, but that was just over drinks. And then by the end of the night, you know, I go out, have a cigar and you just walk on the beach, try and take it in a little bit. But then the, when the conference really kicks off on Wednesday and then Thursday, you know, you get in there at eight in the morning. And then if you use your time wisely, you'll just be in meetings up until about six o'clock. Six o'clock is when uh, the the mingling begins with um, by the pool there that they have at the, the Boca Raton Resort, and then there are a bunch of different other um, parties and stuff like that. SGX every year uh, they have a party where there's uh, they have uh, these great cigars and uh, beer and music and everything like that out on a rooftop. Um, and it's always jam packed and with a ton of people smoking cigars, a lot of people I know hate it. I'm right at home in that kind of environment. Um, I think I ended up having maybe like four cigars <laughs> in one night. So <laughs> my lungs were hurting the next, uh, the next morning. And that's the other thing is you have to wake up the next morning. And I think my first meeting was at eight 30. So you gotta be uh, kind of tip top. But I think that, uh, I, I'll highlight two I'm writing a bunch of stories that will be put up on the web. Uh, we'll tag to it, uh, the FIA Boca 2016 tag. You'll be able to see everything that we post, that I post uh, this week and in, on into next week. Um, hopefully, will, there'll be about you know seven, eight, nine, ten stories in there. We'll see how many I get to. I'll highlight two other quick stories uh, that our readers might be interested in, our listeners might be interested in. Uh, to go back to the whole idea of major mergers. Uh, I got to sit down with Marion Brown, uh, Chief Operating Officer for FIS's Institutional Wholesale Verticals. She came over uh, from SunGuard after FIS bought SunGuard. Funny thing about that was we're supposed to meet up on like the 25th floor. There's this uh, big tower um, at the FIA Boca Resort. Hideous pink uh, from the outside. It's just the worst paint job, but it does look like South Florida. So whatever, maybe it's uh, part of the whole thing. Anyway, so I'm going to go up to the 25th floor. There's supposed to be a, a conference room up there. And the door's shut. I knock on the door. No one answers. And like so a couple minutes go by. I'm trying to reach out via phone. Can't fire. Elevator opens up as I'm on the phone. And I look up like this. And Marion's looking at her phone, walking off the elevator, and looks up and sees me. Now, I, I, some of you maybe don't know what I look like. I have a very, very big, pronounced beard, shaved head. I look like a weirdo. Uh, scared the crap out of Marianne, uh, where she almost dropped the coffee that she had in her hand. Uh, so that was funny. Good way to start off an interview. Uh, so we just had a quick catch up. Um, she says, as you'd expect, she says everything's going great um, with the uh, merger. Uh, that they're very complimentary, that the only real overlap is wealth and retirement business, and they've uh, kind of chosen which products they're going to go forward to in that realm. Um, for us, SunGuard, you know, they have, uh, you know, clearing services, OMS with uh, Front Arena, Valdi, uh, TCA through Fox River Prodigent, Corporate Actions, um, they have data center, cloud, network. They're really entangled in the capital markets. So I just asked her, I said, you know, are you, what about the concerns coming from clients that, you know, what are, is there anybody that's coming to you saying, listen, we use you guys for a lot of different things. What does this merger mean for us? We're a little bit worried about it. Uh, she said that she does not hear any of those concerns. Quote, I have not heard any of those concerns, um, that the FIS is a product company and 
that they understand that to create value in the marketplace, you have to invest in the product. You'd expect her to say that. Um, so I would say to our listeners, if you are at all worried about this uh, uh, deal, reach out to Marianne because she hasn't heard anything yet. Um, but so things seem. To Let be her going. know. Yeah. Let her know, please. <laughs> She'll love that I said that. Um, so that's uh, one thing that was just interesting there. You know, no big news coming out of that though. Um, so no real story to write up there. Uh, the other interesting, another interesting uh, meeting I had uh, was with Christian Net- Netwich. Uh, he's uh, the head of uh, Duco. Uh, Duco pronounces uh, uh, delivers uh, data analytics services. Um, they were down there at, at, at FIA Boca. They announced that they were working with uh, CME Group, where the exchange would offer Duco's reconciliation service uh, to its member firms with the aim of helping them to simplify the processes surrounding their fee structures. So basically, Duco Cube, which is the product, it will help in making sure that back office systems are aligned with CME Group's exchange fee pricing components. Um, and this is all to eliminate manual work. A recent study came out by, I think it was IT Group, uh, saying that there was something like, at big banks, something like 500 people that in some way are in the reconciliations business, essentially, for the bank. Um, And so the interesting thing that I thought about it was, you know, speaking with Nentwich, who's a very smart guy, a PhD, uh, they use uh, smart algorithms and machine learning um, which is something that I recently just wrote about on the front end trading side of it. But uh, so they said that, you know, that they've kind of solved the problem of being able to take these random data sets in different formats and match them up to find problems. But now you've identified all these breaks. What do you do with that information? And so the idea is the next step forward is going to be um, using machine learning, using these smart algorithms uh, for a whole nother world um, to be able to really uh, deliver information as to the process. What's going wrong in these breaks? What are we doing right? Um, so it sounds like it'll be interesting work, but it's just another area where you're seeing machine learning creeping into the capital markets. Um, so it'll be obviously something that'll be talked about for a while. So those are the kind of two news releases. Again, there'll be a bunch more. Um, and then if uh, anybody wants to take me out for uh, drinks, we can also uh, kibitz about the uh, some of the gossip that you hear down there, which is the whole reason why you go down there in the first place. That's what I was going to ask you. Maybe can you talk a little bit about the process that goes behind? So you you get cleared, you go, you say you're going to go to a conference, especially something you know. Our when we go to our conferences, a little bit different. We're there the entire time, but these type of conferences, you can kind of float in and out. I know you said in your opinion uh, piece that. Boca is kind of a big T type of conference where they're not really drilling into specifics and it's kind of broad overviews. Although they, there was a great a panel that you that you wrote up about, you know, talking about technology. But what kind of goes into your process of setting up meetings or kind of when you know, when you get the clearance from the big guys up top, okay, you're all cleared to go down to Boca. How do you kind of go about setting up your meeting just for all those PR and media relations folks or even just regular people that want to set up meetings with you? I, I think that it's... For the panels, for the risk, for our, our uh, colleagues over on risk, uh, a lot of the panels are very good for them. They're going there. They're covering the panels. Like I said, you know, it's big T technology in that we use technology. We invest in technology. It's like, well, that's fantastic. Can you really dig into it? But the thing about it is, is that any vendor that's remotely involved in the future space is going to be down there um, at that conference. It's middle of March in Boca. 85 degrees 
you can bet your butt that you know there are plenty of people looking to get out of their offices and get away for a couple days. Um, so for me, it's just more about meeting as many people. It's not really about creating you know fresh news stories, even though some uh, have come out from that. Um, it's more just hearing about where is the industry going, where is the interesting gossip, where are some of the rumors that we're hearing that you know. So you kind of try and develop your story ideas for the next three four months um, going forward. Many of them won't work out. Many of them are just things that you'll never be able to report in a million years. Um, uh, but, you know, some things, you know, do end up leading to some big stories. Um, and then mainly it's just kind of going out, uh, having the drinks afterwards. It's interesting, like as a reporter, sometimes you sit down, you're in a group of people. So it'll be you, you know, maybe another reporter from another magazine, you know, something like that. And then some end users, some vendors, and everybody just kind of chatting. And it's just kind of interesting to hear their interactions, um, hearing like somebody, hearing a, a guy from Bloomberg give a sales pitch to an investment bank as to why they need to buy the Bloomberg terminal uh, was interesting just to hear the sales pitch from the Bloomberg side. I'd never heard that. You know, you, you obviously know it, but so that was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those things that you just kind of go down and just kind of just try and talk with as many people because everybody's right there and they're all right at the resort. So Sure. I think that's that's about it. That's the biggest stuff, you know, this week. Uh, real quick, we're less than a week away now from the uh, the sell side technol uh, sell side trading uh, trading architecture summit, the North America Trading Architecture Summit, which is at the Marriott Marquis in Midtown New York, Midtown Manhattan. It's April twenty first. Great event. Uh, you could I'll put the link on the website. Lots of great speakers. You know, people that you can chat with. You know, great networking event. It's uh, following that is the Sell Side Technology Awards, where we'll hand out the uh, the awards to the top sell side vendors in the in the space. So definitely get your registration in for that. And users get to go for free, so that's even better. Vendors got to cough up the cash. That's how that's how we play. Got to pay to play, so to speak. Uh, other than that, I think that's all the news uh, we have. Any, any, do you have anything else, uh, Anthony? Spring training begins, so I'll be watching the Astros. But other than that, no, got nothing. I mean, for me, I'm a Mets fan, so you know, season ends in heartbreak. But you bring back the best, best pitching staff in major league, so what can I say about that? Just ready to dominate, ready to crush souls like those little guys up in Chicago. Um, other than that, I will say, uh, uh, real quick on the tournament. A little excited about Cuse, you know. I mean, they got lucky with Michigan State falling. Yeah, right now whenever just... you can root for a cheating group of people, that you know, it's uh, didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't do something with the whole scholarship? Yeah, yeah they. Okay, let's uh, let's be real. If I'm in, if I'm the Syracuse coach, if I'm Jim Beheim, right? I have to be throwing money at kids to convince them to come to Syracuse, New York, over Chapel Hill, over Durham, over UCLA. Like, come on, man. They, they should be allowed to pay players. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Uh, but, Anthony, uh, any last words for our listeners? Got nothing. That's it for me. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, have a great Thursday. Uh, have a great weekend. And we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.